0: Welcome to the Everything Will Be OK Podcast, I'm your host Jenna Simonov. So the topic of the week apparently is uh, streaming opera and classical music. Um, Obviously this has been kicked into high gear since March, everyone's been offering archival recordings um, a la Metropolitan Opera or maybe putting out new content like Beth Morrison projects. And there's also just been a fair amount of exploration in terms of what can be created um, if opera is going to be consumed as a digital medium. One of the really cool examples that I stumbled across uh, recently was uh, an, an operatic miniseries by Manitoba Underground Opera uh, called Green Envelopes, and it was this very like you could tell it be, it had been specially curated for for viewing like on YouTube essentially. Um, there's a lot of, of interesting content coming out that wouldn't necessarily work or wouldn't work the same way if it were going to be done for a live show. So, of course, there's this whole other bubble of possibilities if you expand the medium off of the stage and then you get to me. And, and I'm not really I'm sort of sitting here a little bit with my arms folded, if I have to be entirely honest. Like, it's a weak argument to say that I'm skeptical of digital opera because I personally have not been excited by a lot of it. But I guess that's my argument. You know, I've seen a few things that have really, you know, rocked my world. Um, Even the Met at home gala was like something special for what it was and it seems so, you know, quaint now, even though it was just put out in April. So I guess as, as seasons kick off and I'm getting lots of details from different arts organizations about how they're splitting up, you know, live in-person performances with digital stuff, streamed concerts, live stream concerts, you know, obviously this is happening and I can either get on board and like learn to love it, damn it. Or, you know, or I can sit here with my arms folded and give myself a, you know, muscle cramps or something. So anyway. I guess I'm wondering, you know, is there anything special left about opera and classical music if it's now sharing a medium and and an arena with everything else we consume, like sports, TV, film, everything? If it doesn't have that special thing that I always thought was the thing about opera, for example, which is to be in a room with someone and and that someone is doing these superhuman things, making incredible sounds, live, unamplified, holy moly, this person is ridiculous, you know, that, that kind of thing. Like, that's the thing about opera that I thought and still think is special. And if you remove that element, if it's not live anymore, it, it, that doesn't even mean seeing it at, in real time, like seeing it at the same time as it's being um, created if it's just on screen if it's been recorded if it's a stream like it just that thing is gone for me and it's then it has to be about something else then i think the reason why a lot of this stuff isn't grabbing me is because i'm inevitably comparing it to basically film and tv which has had quite a lot more practice at um making at compelling storytelling in this medium Um, Even like musical movies, like I am, you know, give me a My Fair Lady any day. There's just something organic about that, that, you know, Rex Harrison and Audrey Hepburn, she's hurling the slippers at him and it's just a friggin' hoot. There's just something about that that I'm not quite getting from everything else, even if it's, you know, an opera that I love and performed at a really high level you know i just can't bring myself to sort of sit for for a whole you know thing on opera vision even though like bless you OperaVision, you're amazing and like the met nightly streams like i'm i'm aware of them and i'm interested in some of them but i've they've lost the novelty so it was good for me to have my guests on for this week because it was a bit of a reality check it was like a um, the world is not ending change can be good you're you sound like a dinosaur, Jenna. So for this week's episode, I spoke with uh, the folks from Valhalla Media. Um, that's Alexandra Lobianco and Nicholas Wenzel. They're both uh, singers based in Chicago. Nicholas is a bass with the the chorus at Lyric Opera of Chicago, and Alexandra, or Lexi, is a dramatic soprano, and she's you know working the way most opera singers do in in sort of freelance contract life. So I was alerted to their very cool business idea, which is now called Valhalla Media, um, by uh, someone over at Lyric Opera of Chicago who was like, you would really enjoy these people there. They've sort of taken taken all the lemons that 2020 has given us and they're making some lemonade. And what they've done is they've started basically a platform for streaming live concerts. What they offer is really high quality online streaming of, of classical concerts so to date they've had they have three projects um, that are available for purchase on Valhalla media live they've got two recitals one with David Portillo and one with will liverman and they've also got a performance of Hansel and Gretel that came live from the Studebaker theater in Chicago in June you know Lexi and Nick are both artists and so they're helping their fellow artists stay busy and basically creating work for them. Um, they, their, their whole thing is that they kind of understand where the artist is coming from and what the audiences wanna hear. And they're, they've really stepped up in terms of, of turning a bad situation good. They're, they're making work for their colleagues. They're getting creative about what is available to them in terms of tools like empty venues and great video and sound equipment, which they um, both had on hand. And we'll get into that when, when you listen to our conversation. And they're also just addressing the fact that you know, no, it is not necessarily safe for us to go to hear live music or see live theater the way it was in 2019. So now what? You know, instead of whining the way I, I, you just heard me do, they they're moving on ahead with the yes and option, which I find um, very, very, very encouraging. So it was really cool to speak with Lexi and Nick from their home base um, near Chicago. And I, th- I think that they changed my mind a little bit on, on digital opera and streaming opera. Uh, and I really encourage you to check out their work because it's all about, it's a, you know, it's about monetizing the idea. It's about getting the artists paid, getting the artists busy and getting them excited about their work again, which I know is, um, it can weigh on people, especially if we're, you know, already six months into this craziness. So yeah, please enjoy my lovely chat with the folks from Valhalla Media. Boom. All right. So we've got two people. This is the second time I've interviewed two people at a time, and I always feel slightly crowded.
1: <laughs> Wait, what, what are you saying? I don't understand. <laughs> the, the, never two singers. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Oh, dramatic soprano and a bass. Oh, my Lord. So mean, that's cool. always how it goes, right? <laughs> hey, traumatic soprano. That's true. You have to live with me. Yeah. The
0: mezzos and tenors get together, I find. Mm-hmm. And then like the polar opposites. It's always like a base with a super soprano.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. That's super true. base. Super
2: <laughs> base yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um,
0: so where are you guys? Are you guys talking to me from Chicago then?
2: It, Chicago-ish. Uh, Park Ridge. So we're just outside the city, okay. right by O'Hare.
0: Yeah. All right. I've been to O'Hare, but yeah. that's You've really all I know. Our house. House. You've probably flown over our house, quite honestly. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, how are you guys? Like, I'm up here in Canada, and everything I read about the States is terrifying. How are you guys doing?
2: Um, We're managing. Uh, I'd say your (laughs) assessment's probably pretty accurate here, and uh, (laughs) I can't imagine what this looks like from the outside, but we're doing our best, and we're, we're, we're finding our way through.
1: You know, being in the suburbs, we're a bit in a bubble right now so uh we don't get in obviously because of quarantine uh we don't get into the city very often so it's it's um it's not as obvious how bad it it is to us right that's way. absolutely right and
0: i mean but you you both have been doing a little bit of travel is that right I have. Yeah,
1: I have. I was just in Seattle um, with Seattle Opera. Uh, They are doing their virtual season. And I I was lucky and very lucky um, to be called um, and to go and sing some Cavalleria Rusticana and Santuzza for them. And it's a role that I'm obsessed with and have been since the first time I saw it on stage at the Met. And probably the reason I fell in love with opera to begin with. So to be able to go out to well, my, one of my favorite companies and favorite cities to sing it uh, was really excellent. And sing with Greg Gregory Kundi and um, meet Christina Scheppelman and, and be in the McCall Hall again was, oh, so nice. Yeah, yeah. How okay. long had it been? Ooh, well, we started – well, un, unless you count Valhalla Media um, – with our with our uh, debut uh, weekend with uh, Hansel and Gretel, it had been since um, really since January when I did Turandot down at Palm Beach Opera, uh, and we were in the midst of the Ring cycle here at Lyric, and I was I, I was I've been covering Christine the whole time for Brunhilde, um, which is insane enough, uh, and then singing Henvige for that, but we were just literally moving to stage. When we were canceled on uh, Friday the thirteenth of March, mm-hmm. March thirteenth, uh, infamous Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Nick was—it was the first time Nick and I were going to be able to sing together since we had met on stage at Lyric five and a half years ago, except
2: <laughs> for that one unplanned uh, day of Electra.
1: Oh, that's true. Yes,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: jumping in of Electra was insane.
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh, cool. And and so Nick, it's been about as long for you. Singing uh,
2: yes, absolutely. Um, the last rehearsal that I had actually at work was um, as a member of the regular chorus at Lyric Opera was the day that Lexi jumped in for uh, Christine Gerke, uh in rehearsal. Um, and uh, that was the last time that I've sung anything in a professional setting. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's it's been a minute.
0: Yeah. I had Christine on the podcast and she told me her version of that day (laughs) Yeah, sounded dramatic
1: yeah it was it was a a rough day (laughs) for all of us yeah yeah yeah. and so i mean if
0: you compare your mood um like from that fateful march 13th to today how are you guys doing
1: I mean, that day was hard. Um, and I think, I think honestly, it ebbs and flows. I, I will be very honest. I mean, Monday this week was a bad day. Today is pretty good. Monday, I was wake up and cry almost all day <laughs> and, and just kind of be overwhelmed by it all. And then today yeah. feels pretty good. We've got a lot of things happening with, with us and moving forward and trying to find some balance in it all. But, again, there, there's, there's so much creativity happening right now and, and that gives me hope and seeing so many incredible colleagues and friends and, and family uh, just push the box not just get out of the box but like destroy the box mm-hmm. and shred it up chew it up and spit it out and turn it into like <laughs> fertilizer for the next thing is, yeah. is really exciting
2: I, I think that uh, in these days and the thing that I have become much more present of and I've reminded myself of in the last goodness, how many months, six months now um, Mm -hmm. is is that we hang on to and we remember the good things and we remember and cherish the, the positive things that we have in our life. Um, I have such a newfound appreciation for uh, the good times or the normal times as we'll call them. (laughs) Um, you know, I think that as artists, we can get into uh, a bit of tunnel vision and um, and it, it kind of take what we do for work and for life uh, for granted. And um, to be able to uh, reflect back on that is, is a powerful thing. Um, and I, I feel like that has helped shape uh, my vision going forward in that I'm looking forward to getting back on stage yes. immensely. Yeah. Um, but it is a, it is a motivating factor for us to do the, do the work right now, uh, on ourselves and, uh, and to stay focused on what lies ahead instead of being stuck in how terrible the situation is for all of us right now. It's
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, you guys have done the thing that I was sort of baffled at anyone who could do, which is like, you took like a terrible situation and turned it into something um, positive, or at least actionable, right? I would say it's positive. But I mean, in the very beginning, like, I didn't think I was a cynical person. But I even I was like, you know, my friends posting videos of themselves, you know, singing here, there, balcony arias, whatever. And I was just like, Oh, man, like, is this what it is? Or like, how do you even have energy to make something like this? Like, I'm just like, I'm just trying to like ignore all the terribleness or or wait it out or something. But like there are those people that just can't help but but create things, right? Is that you guys?
2: A bit.
1: <laughs> A little bit. I mean honestly there there was part of me when I when I saw all my friends and colleagues doing that, I was like I I personally I couldn't. I I was too hit as an artist to go out and just start performing and doing things because I I just It it hurt. It hurt too much right away. Yeah, yeah. For for me personally, but what happened? It was really kismet how we were already we were already on this process a year ago to to start this business, and it just turned it. it, The business flipped. Um, We we were literally. About a week away from doing a huge marketing campaign here in Chicago for our what was going to just be a recording company that had live stream capabilities, and I said, and and then the crap hit the fan, as it were. Can I swear or not? <laughs> That's or funny. you can swear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the edit button is generally on because the munchkin in the other room. However, <laughs> yeah, 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 um, the crap hit the fan, and we looked at each other and <laughs> we had Burkhart and a few of the other uh, people from the ring cycle over to our house, uh, just as a, what, what the hell moment. Um, and then the next day, we went, well, what, what the hell can we do? And we started throwing spaghetti against the wall is the best way I can describe it and say, how can we help? What can we do? We have, we have this equipment. We, we already, own microphones we already own cameras what we how can we shift this what can we do and how can we put people back to work and it was just a labor of love of thinking how in the hell can we help right now yeah truly so
0: so can you give like sort of paint a bigger picture for people who might not know where you're coming (laughs) from like why do you have all that equipment kicking around I'll let you on the explain. okay so I can go ahead and jump <laughs> in
2: uh, really this is a, a recording has, has been a, uh, a a passion project of mine for for some time and I've been slowly building out my book of equipment uh, knowing that I wanted to uh, in my time away from uh, my primary gig lyric uh, find something different that would get me away from working at the computer and just up and out and still working with music and working with my colleagues and He's and also, to me, that was it
1: he's also quite an extraordinary web designer he, he won't say that but he really is well, yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we, I, I, the, the arts need people like you that's for sure <laughs> <laughs>
2: and so we had this uh, you know I, I, I had this vision for the company that could not just be a location recording company and that could not just you know add videography services I mean obviously there's a there's a great market for those services especially in Chicago with uh, the the plethora of wonderful music schools that we have here, uh, but, but also um, to go beyond that. And, and so in, when we were mulling this idea of expanding the services of that and forming, officially forming the company, it, uh, it went through a bit of a change in that we thought, okay, well, yes, we can, we can live stream. We can add these services on. We can, we can expand those offerings. And I knew exactly how to do it uh, from my work with other clients and other companies that i had over the years. And so uh, it became kind of this natural uh, shift and progression of, okay, well, we can wrap this layer off the onion and this layer off. And, and, and eventually we had a pretty well-fleshed out system that was fully capable of, of multi-camera live streaming, and we just needed the client base. Um, and so uh, that was, of course, <laughs> that fateful moment that Lexi talks about where all of a sudden the the wheels come off the bus and and we're we're left with everybody else on the side of the road, trying to figure out what to do. And mm-hmm. ultimately it just, uh, it was one of those moments where we, we really pondered it and, and realized that the angle to this, that we think that is is missing right now is that nobody is trying to turn it. No companies seemed to with one notable exception in the States is trying to turn it into a revenue stream. And, uh, we want to show the world that it's not only possible, but that it's accessible, and that uh, it's a very real possibility.
1: And what I worried about when we were, when I was seeing so so many of my colleagues and so many of my friends and so many of my favorite companies that I've worked for, just putting out content and putting out free live streams and free this and free that was, I, I'm worried for for all of us that we are devaluing what we do. I mean, truly by not yeah. asking and reminding our patrons that we are, we are working. This is our job. This is, you know, this is how we pay our bills. I mean, I still get asked to this day, Oh, you get paid to do that? Yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I have worked for many years and it's and I have been doing this for over a decade. Um, and it is my primary source of income. I don't, I, teaching is my only other thing that I do. Um, and it was about valuing and really reminding our audience and our patrons that we, we need them in a way that we can't describe right now, more than, more than ever. Yeah. And so,
0: so what you're doing is you've been working out of basically empty venues.
2: Yes. yes. We've been yeah. Uh, yeah, empty <laughs> venues. Uh, the Studio Baker theater was our first venue of choice. Um, yep. And the, uh, the corporate—I want to say—corporate clients, uh, the the producing organization uh, that we are now partnered with and um, presenting their performances, uh, Chicago Opera Theater. They um, they will be operating out of empty venues as well. Mr.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Baker and, and the Harris,
2: the Harris yeah. Theater here in. Town. Okay,
1: yeah. And we've also started doing some partnerships with places like there's um, the beautiful museum home uh, house, the Glessner house uh, here in Chicago. That is the history of the house is incredible to begin with when you have the Glessners themselves who were some of the founding families for the Chicago symphony orchestra and in their home is an incredible Steinway that, has been played by Rachmaninoff and uh, Prokof- Prokofiev, yes, mm-hmm. and uh, Percy Granger, and so many of these incredible artists that came through Caruso came through and sang in the in the parlor um, of their of their house. And now we've been able to go in, and that's where we just did our last uh, recital with David Portillo, and it was it was so warm and so inviting to be in a a salon style, which is has been missing from the from the industry for quite some time. And remember that there there are so many other works than the big operas and the big chamber works and the big uh, oratorios that we go to the hall to hear but we have intimate recital programs that are go beyond the the, the traditional uh, strauss uh, or schumann and schubert and wolf and Forey and uh, i mean there's so much repertoire yeah and so what's
0: been the feedback from so you've done, uh, let me think if you've done three events that I can think of. I'm sure you've done more.
2: We've done three through the platform. We've got uh, several more on the pipeline this year, <laughs> uh, especially uh, Chicago opera theater season. Uh, the feedback Great. is good. You know, we're, 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 of course, you know, uh, as we grow, we learn a little bit each time. Uh, but ultimately this is uh, this is something that is, is continually taking shape and evolving. And as we have discussions with other, you know, potential uh, producing organizations that, uh, Interested in working with us, uh, we we find that there's not really a one size fits all solution uh, to each of these different unique situations that organizations find themselves in. Uh, And so, as as we've already had to do, we we just we're continually adapting and, Mm and and growing as we find different approaches to help companies and artists solve problems.
1: And we, I like to think of what we do for the recitals as kind of an artistic playground, <laughs> and that we are kind of an operatic co-op uh, of of how to how can we help you? How can we how can we either provide a, a platform for your your productions to be monetized? How can we is it is it that you need the platform for our ticketing availability, or do you need us to come and do the recording? What can we do to help you? And and how can how can we help you? We don't want to just uh, sit here and go, do, 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 we've got this thing, but we actually want to partner and help. It, it, that's, I think, the most important part of this. Yeah, yeah.
2: The interesting thing, too, about, you know, some of the feedback that we've gotten is that, I mean, the audio is sort of a given. Like, if it, it's it's one of those things where a lot of people only notice if, if there's a problem, <laughs> you know, but the, the visual aspect of it is what we've actually received the most feedback on. And... Uh, credit where credit is due. Our, our video director, Jan Thompson, uh, is just wonderfully talented and has been able to call some really visually striking shows and, and bring in uh, different uh, visual elements that I really didn't think possible.
1: And the fact that it's live. I mean, the very first time we we, we put, put something out there, it is truly a live performance. That If you, if you come in, write it like as David went live at 1:30 p.m. Central on Sunday, it was him singing right to you. There was no post production. It was being called at that moment in time. That is exciting, and and to have that opportunity from from a singer standpoint is great because you feel like you feel the energy of of something happening. It's it's not you're just in the recording studio doing something, but there is, you know, people are watching, and you you feel that energy from even through the the airwaves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the visual element,
0: I think, was what we were sort of resigned to sacrifice right away, right? Like, when, you know, when it came to, like, even like the Met, when they did their at home gala in, I think it was April, like, I think we were all like, yeah, it's going to be varying degrees of, you know, visual appealingness. Like, you know, it's what people have. And I think people sort of assumed that um, it would be a while before they saw something that was well shot, if not live right? Right.
2: Absolutely. Uh, the, yeah. the bar was set, uh, I don't want to say low, but uh, nobody was trying to raise the bar, so to say. Yeah. At that juncture.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's just funny because like, you know, you think like a place like the Met signifies sort of the top tier of whatever, Right. Um, whether or not that's true, but like, you know, they have you know, their live in HD series is like very, very visual, obviously, and they've got like um, like it's a whole different type of direction for those productions. Um, But (laughs) even from the new the new content that they were putting out, even that was like, well, it's it's (laughs) it is what it is, which is now a phrase that's been ruined, by the way. Uh, Agreed. I've been
1: calling opera is as opera does. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, my other
0: like my thing. It's weird. I like Myself, I, I am this one of these like annoying people that probably throws a wrench in like plans that people like you have, which is like, it has to, I found myself like, it has to be really extraordinary for me to be captivated by something that's streamed um, in the classical music or opera realm. Like I can think of a few specific examples of things that I've tuned into that I've just been like over the moon for and just like just craving that kind of like catharsis or like audience experience Um, but even but it hasn't been most of them it hasn't been most of the offerings that made me feel that way so like do you guys address that like it's it's not ideal you know it's do you consider it like a plan b do you consider it any sort of consolation prize or, or is this just something new that you're carving out?
2: You know, I, I, that's a terrific question. And I, I think that a lot of this is that it's not necessarily plan A or plan B, but this is just the reality that we're in and we're going to do everything we can to try to deliver the best performance possible, regardless of the circumstances. And that and part of that process for us is actually engaging with artists and letting them set the programming. And letting them, you know, bear a part of their soul, and 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 perhaps sing a couple of selections on a program that they wouldn't normally uh, be able to program elsewhere for varying reasons. Um, But also, you know, and with Will's example, uh, being able to be a part of a world premiere and to bring that same kind of excitement back into. Folks' living rooms, right? Um, to open was... our
1: company with Will Liverman singing <sighs> in, in, in an empty studio yeah. was—I I was the only person in the house, other than the camera crew—and I can tell you that I wept like a baby, yeah, the whole entire time, because it was that was catharsis, that was sheer brilliance. It was—it was magic in the hall. I mean, Paul and Will were just. Stunning, right? I really
2: think that. We're is we're, it, oh, sorry. I
1: mean,
0: <laughs> but but I consider like I I imagine that it was so cathartic for you, partly because you were in the room with him. Like I, I wonder what it's like on the other side. I'm not saying it's not, but like that's you know, live performance has always been like miles ahead of anything else in of terms course. of an enjoyable thing for me, right?
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. The the there's nothing. There's nothing. Nothing in the world that will take away from the experience of the human voice and music live in a hall i we Nick and I both believe that, and we've we've never said that we are trying to replace that. We are just trying to augment it. We're trying to add to the experience by making it as close to the hall as we possibly can from a sonic standpoint from a visual standpoint it is it is not about us taking away from that experience but truly trying to help give people a piece of it or as close as we can in in a time when we when we physically cannot do it
2: yeah the other part of that too is that you know when you're in a big hall you get those acoustics you if you have got the right micing setup you can make it sound as close to uh, an in-person sound as possible right but those cameras and if your placement's right allow you to get up close and personal with the artist that is, that is on stage. And it, it, again, it doesn't quite bring you there, but it brings you very close. And in Will's case, I mean, I think it was so successful because Will is such a vulnerable and honest performer and yeah, yeah. to hear him in rehearsal. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how he was able to get through Sean's piece no. Two black churches, without completely breaking down. And, and I know that he, he struggled yeah. a bit with that just because it's such a raw piece and, and, and the subject matter is is just heartbreaking. But to be able to bring people up close into that, um, I, I think is, is a large part of what made that concert so successful in conveying that emotion and, and bringing people into the experience.
1: I think yeah. it's about the intimacy, as you said, just said, Some, we can be washed by the, the sonic joy that is the acoustic environment of the theater. But sometimes it, we don't, we feel a little put far away from it all because we're up in the balcony or, or, and we're not seeing those really intense emotions on the performer's face, unless you have opera glasses or this, whatever you need to help you see the, those faces. But, um, but to have that intimate vision of what they're going through is really special. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I've,
0: I've wondered, I've, I think I've unpacked just listening to you guys talk. I think I've unpacked one of my like weird knee jerk reactions to streaming opera. Um, and it's not it's because it's not because it's a terrible idea or anything. I think my like fear is that, you know, when very industrious creative people like yourselves go to try to like improve the experience of of this kind of medium for like taking in classical music it's almost like I'm like well well don't don't improve that version because I'd like us to just like be motivated to get back to quote unquote normal. Like if you make it too good for us to see stuff and we don't actually have to be in the room with, with the concerts, then, then I have this irrational fear that the actual live events will fall out of fashion because we can get a pretty good one in something like what Valhalla is doing.
1: But we've had that for a long time with the Met and HD uh, opportunities. And so this is not new. It's, it's just different and i oh, yeah. think, i think those of i think it will open a door to people that miss being in the hall but maybe maybe perhaps they're stuck uh, t- taking care of an elderly family member or they're they're stuck in uh, continued health care for themselves for some reason but they miss going to the concert hall mm-hmm. it's it's not about the people that miss going to the hall i think that those of us who miss going to the the theater will always go to the theater let's be honest there is something about going and getting my glass of champagne and sitting down in my little in my little spot as uncomfortable as some of those seats are and we know they are um and opening my program and saying oh this is going to be a great night and then sitting back and being washed in that experience but there are so many people now that whether they're risk averse, whether they are, uh, just stuck for whatever reason that perhaps they can't come. And yeah, yeah. this would be a, this is an augmented reality so that they can be as close to it as possible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I know it's a, a, a consideration for the companies, even, you know, even if their, you know, respective governments allow people to come back, um, you know, especially with opera that, you know, traditionally has an older um, demographic of subscribers, you know, the people might be spooked to come to a show even if it's allowed.
1: Right. And yeah. and that that is scary. And so we want to provide a space for people to have that opportunity and still be able to feel like they're part of the experience. And it's, yeah. it's scary enough to go up Quite obviously, it's scary enough to go back in the hall as a singer, um, even with an empty hall, mm-hmm. and to be, to walk into those theaters and, and say, okay, I've, so far this summer, I've had six COVID tests, six, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> um, <laughs> for many reasons, That's, but um, yeah. one in order to feel safe and to make my colleagues feel safe, I need to do that. That's important. But it's also still scary when you walk in that door and you realize I have to be around people again. And I love these people and I want to be around these people, but it's scary.
0: Yeah. Um, I wonder what you guys think because you're in it more deeply than most. Um, What kind of opera, whether it's like a, traditional production or a concert like like you've been doing what translates well into a screen medium like do you think it's it's just um is it the way it's shot or the way it's captured in in sound or is there something about the programming or the kind of performing or you know the specific opera that you choose like does everything translate well to to screen or what do you think the recipe would be?
2: You know, I think it really depends on uh, on the skill level of, of the director and the shot selection. I think that uh, mm-hmm. comedy, obviously, just because it's a very... Uh, it, it's so, uh, in, in our cases, a lot of times centric on translation and uh, <laughs> expressiveness, that that translate and can translate quite well. But then you've also got the difficulty of making sure that your titles are timed appropriately, as you do in the theater. Um, I think mm-hmm. that... Uh, dramatic opera um can i simplify i'm gonna
1: simplify it honestly it's about if it's a good story just like just like film just like television if it's a good story it's going to translate if you have if you have great interpreters of text if you have great artists uh in the pit conducting you're gonna get a story that translates because it's easy for a uh Especially someone like Jan, who uh, is also has two two degrees in music and composition, and so she understands opera and she's she's worked with Baron Boehm and quite a few other people. Um, mm-hmm. But she having someone who understands the the medium allows for a very musically called production, as opposed to just shot to shot to shot. It's not right, just yeah. about the go camera two, go camera, you know, whatever. But it, it's with the music and how that functions as the the phrasing, it's part of the storytelling. And I think that is what makes a really great opportunity for film. Um, and it, it really does come down to the, the facial exp- it's People who are expressive when they sing, we all love them. Yeah. <laughs> people who just go balls to the wall when they sing and just tell the story and just we, we want to see people to the scenery we I mean I love that I love that as an audience member it's part of the reason I fell in love with opera it's like wait what how how yeah. are they how are they laying on their back to sing this duet I don't understand I thought I'd right. be a clarinetist <laughs> I thought I was gonna sit in the pit uh, yes Chris yeah. and I have way too much in common <laughs> that's right oh you guys are twinsies <laughs>
0: I mean I guess I'm wondering like how much do you think the this kind of programming is in competition with something like Amazon Prime or like Netflix like I guess I'm thinking of things things that distract me even if I'm having a wonderful time are like bad wig lines <laughs> and like you know what I mean and like all the stuff I'm like that cup is totally empty and like that is a bad fire prop like just things that you're like, yes, we forgive these things because, you know, in normal circumstances, you have the gift of distance or something in a, in a large house, for example. But like, you know, because opera singers are not trained the same as screen actors, you know, even when I one time I spoke with Sandra Radmanofsky, she told me how, how horrible it was one night when she the first Met HD broadcast that she did. She decided to like, quote unquote, sing for the the like the the cinema audiences um and she said it was brutal because like she could feel that it was flat in the house because she pared it down for screen
1: yeah
0: sort of right and she yeah. sort of vowed to never do that again but like I'm I sometimes use my husband as like a as a litmus test because he's uh he's a, a technology guy and he's not an opera guy he's seen way more opera than he ever thought he would since he's met me <laughs> but, but like But he's the one that will catch, like, you know, it, it, you know, he'll admit, you know, it didn't quite grab me because, you know, he was, he wasn't looking at her, you know, he was looking at the conductor or he was, you know, he didn't, that knife isn't real or that, you know, you know, these kinds of things that we get such a high bar in film and TV and opera singers are not always trained for that kind of thing. And so I wonder how much we need to sort of, do we put them in the same category as, as sort of screen media
1: Mm. We, we've been going back and forth about actually having this conversation when we're, we actually had this conversation before we did Hansel and Gretel. It was, are we documenting this or are we filming this? And right. yeah. which yeah. is this and how is it going? How does it translate? And which, which is it going to be? And there, I know that as a teacher, I've looked at all of my students and I've said, you need to get film acting training now. And I've actually told yeah, them yeah. to, and I've actually provided one uh, workshop with a, a dear friend of mine who is a, a SAG-AFTRA actor who's come on and, and done, begun doing classes for them. Um, but it it's it is a new medium, and it is a it's a scary one, especially with how um, uh, visual and pretty. <laughs> Things have to be, and yeah. opera isn't always pretty with our giant open throats. Um, right. <laughs> I mean, opera neck is a real thing. Let's be honest.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but opera has always had that. It's not a scapegoat. It's it's like it's a it's the thing about opera is is it's about the voice. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, and if it's even if you do have the crazy, you know, what did you call it? Singer neck? Sing, uh, singer, yes, neck. singer neck. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, you know, the greats have a singer neck. Yeah. Great. Like yeah. we want to see 15 chins. I want to see 15 chins. Cause I then I, then I know how wide open the throat is and how big the sound's going to be. I just, I love it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I hmm it's Nick.
2: Well, I, I, yeah, I, I'm just, that's, that's a, that's a terrific question. And it has run the gamut in terms of the requests that we've gotten from directors and from artists and, you know, what do I do here? How should I look at you? And I mean, the first two shots were, the uh, shows, excuse me, were shot without tally lights. So our artists didn't even know which camera was live at the time. Right. We have uh-huh. changed that, but ultimately, I mean, with David's recital this last weekend uh, he didn't even pay any attention to it. And, I think right. that it, it can be more presentational, but there are some things planned that we have a little farther down the line that are really going to focus on the fact that this is not just a, a, a broadcast tool, but this is a narrative tool that we can also deploy. And so we will be experimenting in, uh, in a more um, narrative style presentation uh, in the future. That's about all I can say about that. And, and I, but, think
1: you're, I think you're going to find that there are going to be some new versions of opera that aren't meant for the big house, that are are truly meant for a Netflix-style experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, and I, I think there, you're going to find that there are going to be some very, again, extremely creative, and, and creative is even a lackluster term for what's happening right now. It, it truly is a renaissance. Of um, what is going on for our directors and and th- these genius minds that I just I just want to be a fly in the wall for their brains because they're going at such a fast tick, and I I just want to sit in there and go how do you do this? But <laughs> yeah. that that's going to be there's going to be this whole other world that will be separate from the experience of being in the theater. I it's going to be a whole other version of opera. Well, I'm now thinking
0: like when you, back when you were talking about how exciting it is to be live, like I agree. It's sort of like, it's almost like we have to go back to like the way Carson did it. Or something. Like, <laughs> it's like, just embrace the live. I mean, of course, like anyone who's giving a, a streamed recital is embracing the live, but like, or even like embracing the recording aspect. Like I just had a flashback. I just looked it up. Like, did you guys ever see that? Um, the, like a studio recording, but like it's in this very like Lawrence Welke studio that's very, you know, white and um, carpeted. And it's like Beverly Sills, um, it's Ariadne of Naxos and Beverly Sills is singing the Zerbinetta. And she sings that like extended 20 minute version of the aria where like she runs out of text like before, you know, 14 minutes in, there's no, many, no more words. And like the whole thing is done. Obviously, it's meant to be filmed. Everyone's like in evening gowns, but they're all sitting at music stands in this like very plush studio and it's sort of like embracing the fact that like, yeah, we're all sitting with our music and recording this thing and you're you're just watching and it's a bit of a novelty that you just get to sort of watch this part of it.
1: Yeah. You know? I I, I, I always think about the the Nielsen Nelson recording of Ketchadamarung when they bring in the horse. Right. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, hey, Grana. Oh, there it's actually Grana is here. Um, And right, yeah. those are really we all know those moments, especially if you're an opera aficionado or geek or nerd or just passionate about the art form. We all yeah. kind of have gone through those, done those rabbit holes to find all the fun things. And I think I think things like La Gran Chena and uh, are going to come back, and we're going to have more creative comedy going on, and uh, I, I, which I hope I'm hope, I'm desperate for it. I think we all need a little levity right now. <laughs> yeah, I want like the next Animofo show. Yes, Animofo or Anna, Anna Russell or
2: Victor Borg. Victor <laughs> oh. Borg. Oh. Yes.
1: Oh yeah. Where's the Victor
0: Borg when you need him? Right.
1: Maybe, maybe, um, maybe the drunken tenor will come on and do something for us. (laughs)
0: Oh, Yeah, we love him. (laughs) (laughs) Rob. I uh, yeah, maybe we'll call our our buddy Lang Lang or something. Yes. So so I wanted to ask you too about um, like getting off the digital um, opera train just a little bit, and more just in like sort of the role of the arts these days, like. It seems, it, it, for me, I felt almost, like, insecure about my, like, apparent dependency on the arts when, when everything stopped for a while. Like, I didn't really know who I was or, like, what I would do with my days or I wasn't even able to organize my social life with any without any of these events, right? Um, and then in terms of what the role of the arts is, like, I've always been proud to say that it's an industry. It's not just, like, a... Uh, an institution of society even though it is but like it sort it seems to elevate it when you're like it's it's a business it's an industry it's it's this thing that that matters so much that people get paid to do it um and when that part of it stops i'm a sort of at a loss i mean what do you guys see as the role of the arts currently
2: i think that oh, i, I want to in terms of the role of the arts and and not just what uh it plays in our society but how we've dedicated our own lives to making art and to being a part of that art and to finding our livelihood in that art there's a really great quote that i'm going to actually read and i just i had this little book sitting on my desk (laughs) i know you can't see it but um, he's holding it up i'm holding it right now uh okay you can actually see it um (laughs) and um this is a notebook that i've kept with me that i Dictate important meetings and things like that into. But this is a notebook that was given to me by my art teacher, uh, my high school art teacher, in 2002. Oh gosh, that really dates me. Um, and, <laughs> and he wrote me a note in the beginning of this, and I've read this to Lexi once before. But I think that it's absolutely important um, and and something that that bears repeating. Uh, part of this letter says, as, as you move on into your chosen career, I hope that you always continue to keep that creative fire burning within you. Above all, please remember that it is more important that you be an artist, musician, or actor rather than a performer. An artist, visual, musical, etc., plays and creates from his soul, while a performer of those same disciplines just puts out his craft. So it is our job to create. It's not necessarily our job to get out there on stage. Yeah. It's our job to make something of this world and to help make this world a better place. And regardless of whether we're on stage right now, or if we're working behind the scenes to try to find and innovate and pivot, which I hate that word now, um, <laughs> it is, it is, that's our job. Our job is to be creative. And to if that means innovation, if that means finding ways to uh, connect and give people catharsis, whatever that is, if we're creating, we're contributing, and we're doing something to help the world right now.
1: Oh, I will completely stand behind Nick. I'm, I'm teary. I just I'm thinking about that, and you know, as an artist, I for the past ten years I've been struggling to climb the ladder of, of the industry and just just working my way up slow and steady and bullheaded and <laughs> bull in a china shop many times, um, making mistakes and trying to correct those things. And and along the way I constantly questioned what is my what is why am I still here? What am I here for? And it, it was actually ironically during Ariadne off Naxos, um, I was singing my first Ariadne in Austin and it was then that I realized how much I have to do this again. And, and that happens to me probably every six or eight, eight months, probably. But that one in particular was just a transformative moment of saying, you're, this is what you're here to do. This is why you're on this earth. You've known it. You haven't believed it for a while. Believe it. Reinvest do the job, do the work, and create. And it really is about being creative. And the art, the role of the arts right now is, is such a varied one. For some people, it's about comfort. For some people, it is catharsis. And some people, it is about distraction and just being entertained and losing themselves away from the realities of this insanity because this this is insane. We've had murder hornets. We've had yeah, right. <laughs> COVID nineteen. We 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 have <clears throat> let's put it mildly a <clears throat> interesting political environment in the United States for the past years. Um, and I mean, I can't look away. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a literal train wreck. Let's yeah. <laughs> but anyways, but but the the arts are so. Versatile that I think they're exactly what anyone needs when they need it. Yeah. Whether it's they, I I know for me, I sometimes will pull out a coloring book and just sit and color for a while. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And sometimes that's my escape. And I just want to color my Winnie the Pooh color book, coloring book that I've had for years. And it makes me feel better. And sometimes it's putting on opera and sometimes it's listening to kids bop with the munchkin and, yeah. and sometimes it's dancing and you know, dancing in my underwear <laughs> and being stupid. Yeah. You know, I, I, have you, uh,
0: I just wanted to, because you mentioned um, coloring, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I do have a munchkin and, and he has these coloring books that are, like basically foolproof and you just have to dip the marker quote unquote in water. And if you just run the marker over the page, the colors appear.
1: Oh, that's really satisfying. It's the most satisfying.
0: (laughs) I've done them all. And like, luckily when the page dries, it goes white again. So you can reuse them. Oh, like he's not into it at all, but I'm like, mommy just needs to color with water. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: don't want to think about colors. Sometimes I just want them to appear. Well, I'm just like, oh, it's purple. Yes. Like, And then also there's no mess. I love that. Yes. You know,
0: <laughs> I was also going to ask you if you guys have found any of either of the children's music albums um, by Mr. John Lithgow on Spotify.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh I, we're going to have to You're find have those. To I yeah, mean,
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah. I love the like written a, ones. Well, yeah. Well,
0: so I listened to, John was like on a podcast that I listened to and he mentioned um these albums and i was like wait what and so i guess like he taught himself the ukulele when he had kids just to entertain them and then he became pretty good at it and then like in his circle of friends he was asked to play at birthday parties and then it just sort of like ballooned from there and he has two albums of like kids music like stuff that he's written and then like covers of like golden oldies
1: well that's gonna be found shortly alexa play yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly
0: my favorite is for all who's listening just look up the laughing policeman by john lithgow it's pretty great you know (laughs) but yeah no like that's the kind of thing that like you know i watch my kid bop around and that's the role of the arts for me right now
1: yeah exactly (laughs) watching lila she'll literally um this morning, or yesterday, I heard her sing everything from La Dora Mobile" to, yeah. the, to uh, the triumphal scene from Aida. Yeah,
2: she was staging her animals marching around her room humming the triumph oh <laughs> yesterday. Just, yeah, yeah. this they're, lunch.
1: They're and, raising a little nerd. I it.
2: <laughs> I'm okay with that.
1: I mean, yeah. she asked me, what's Votan saying? Really? Oh, God. No. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> how, how old is she? Eight and a half. She's eight and a half okay <laughs> but this was like three years ago <laughs> right that's that's you know yeah the kids of opera singers that's a whole other thing it really is yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah i did a on my blog on Schmopra, i did an interview with like a few like adult children of opera singers oh about like growing up running around the theater and like they're all very well adjusted are
1: you sure yeah, well, they seem to be on
2: the record anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, they grew up on, in the theater, so of course they know how to be. <laughs> exactly.
2: I mean, it's not at all how I grew up, but I know that some of my favorite memories backstage are when kiddo all of a sudden surprises me or runs up to me, and well, I'm you know, getting ready to walk on stage, and all of a sudden I hear, Daddy! You know? And- <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. I know. It's the best. It's such a cool, like, I don't know, it's like a humbling thing, and you're like, you can be proud of your kid and proud of your work at the same time. Yeah. You know? Especially I uh, yeah. when Christine Girk, who was in Toronto, uh yeah, for her last Electra. Yeah, I guess.
2: When,
1: um, when we were doing the, the wars, the the, in, the 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 um <laughs> the back and forth between lyric and CUS. And <laughs> right, that's right. That was so much fun. <laughs>
0: Well, I also like we were catching up but the last time my son had been born since the last time we spoke. And so we were catching up and I showed her this tiny little video of of my son, like doing a weird twerk like dance that I didn't teach him, but like it's, it seemed to come naturally. And so she's like, oh, my God, I'm going to work that into Electra's dance. And I'm like, you are not. And she's like, I am. So she's like, send me the video and then text me the night that you're coming to the show and I'll work it in. And she did <laughs> and, like. Of course she did, and I tried really hard to like get an archival recording of that night from from the coc. I like, I was like, I'll buy it. I'll whatever. I just, I kind of need to show that to my kid, in the hopes that he'll appreciate it when he's like twelve. That's something. amazing, you know. <laughs> like I was with my good friend, and she's like, "Oh my god, that's Alex." You <laughs> <laughs> know. know, see, like artists are lovely people, and they need to stay among us you know
1: yeah yeah most definitely yeah and and, and, and i mean it's a family uh the, yeah for sure the first time i met girk i mean it was all right i adore you and done <laughs> yeah. and we've been close ever since and then um just being able to come up in the ranks and work with work with such incredible people like christine and uh, like Elsie and um mm-hmm. and and sandra and I, I, like sandra in particular i was supposed to sing my uh, seventh tosca this fall at at lyric but it was i was doing the last performance and sandra was doing the rest so it mm-hmm. really i wait okay i but i have to follow sandra i don't want uh, but, sandra. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 But she's, I mean, she's She's lovely. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, you have to be, I don't know. You have to be a normal person to like get your head through this game, I think, and have a, have a long career. Yeah. Otherwise you'll make yourself insane.
1: I mean, I think we're all a little bit insane in order to deal with this career. but Relatively. As a, a colleague of mine, uh, said you know there's normal normal and then there's singer normal and you you, you are within the singer normal and that's good i was like well good yeah 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 (laughs) um so aside
0: from all the music stuff and all the jobs and stuff um i mean is there anything that you can admit like the the more banal and unnecessary the better like what's something that you really miss that you can't have right now because of quarantine
2: Oh Cubs baseball live from the bleachers at Wrigley Field! Holy, oh. <laughs> I'm a yeah. season ticket holder. We, we we have two seats in the bleachers at Wrigley, and we uh, were, yeah. were lovely. Uh, had, got a lovely refund of uh, this year's games, but it's been uh, it's been something I've definitely missed. <laughs> yeah, for comfort.
1: I, this sounds so dumb, but I I miss like leisurely grocery shopping. I mm-hmm. love groceries i love to yeah. go and look at everything and touch it all and see it and smell it and and figure out what's going to go with what and, <laughs> and just be able to enjoy the experience of grocery shopping and going to the farmer's market and uh, yeah going farmer's to, a, market, movie, going to you know. a
0: movie would be really nice you know i'm meeting up with uh, our what used to be a standing movie night group of, it would happen like once a year when everyone's in the same city. So no movies, but we're going to a backyard
1: party. Oh, that's nice. We haven't even done that really. We've been we watched we've been Jaws this summer. Well, yeah, it was, everybody
2: was outside and we were masked and you know. That, Did uh, you say Jaws? Jaws. Yes. Yeah, uh, one nice. of our neighbors down the street had a uh, an outdoor movie night and they got a big old projector and had everybody oh, bless
1: them separated right
2: separated out by ten mm-hmm. feet in their own little circles and everybody had masks on. And, mm-hmm. We all watched Jaws. <laughs> I mean, so
1: good. It yeah, was right. so good. That <laughs> was probably one of the more fun nights we've had since COVID hit. Really, yeah. And oh, yeah. now, now that the weather is turning uh, chillier here in Chicago, yeah. I'm sure it's a little chilly up in Toronto too. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're looking forward to buying a fire pit or building a fire pit in the backyard because mm-hmm. um, we we just bought a house last year. And so nice. we, we've been gardening and doing all the things, but I miss yeah. having people over to the house and, and sitting there and, oh, and hugging people. I really miss hugging I people. I know.
0: Oh. I miss, like, I miss not questioning my social interactions yes. as much. Like, cause like when you see people, you're like, I, I can't, I uh. can't touch, but like, please don't think I'm rude. <laughs> but like, don't make too much of it. Yeah. Cause everyone knows what's going on. But like you know, you just feel weird. Yeah,
2: I'm really gonna look forward to the days when we don't have to flap our elbows at people. Just to be like, hey, nice to see you. Just can't wait for that.
1: Elbow hugs and toe kisses. Mm
2: -hmm. I I miss, I, I I dearly miss all of my colleagues uh, at at work and at the, you know, being in a, a unique position between the two of us where I. When I'm going to work and going to sing, I go and sing with the same people every single night for eight months out of the year. And um, it is a it is such a, a, a joy to be able to do that. And uh, I miss my people. I miss my colleagues. So if, if anybody from, from Lyric is listening, man, uh, I can't wait until we can all get together and make music again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so- I'll make sure to send this to the wonderful Magda over at Lark. Oh, Magda, yes.
2: Yeah, we love Magda. We love, yes. Magda. We love yeah. you
1: so much. Hi,
0: Magda. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, look, guys, it's the name of the podcast, so I have this running gag where I ask all my guests, Lexi and Nick, will everything be okay?
2: Yes, without a <laughs> doubt, we are going to get through this one way or another, and I firmly believe that opera's best days are ahead of it.
1: Absolutely, I would wholeheartedly agree with Nick's statement it's we've got a long road in front of us and it, the the star is shining bright it's time to grow I heard it here first <laughs> it's
2: time to grow <laughs>